Good morning, Chapelwood. Uh, we're in week three of our study of reading the Bible for all it's worth. Our scripture passage today comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 12, verses 3b, all the way to 13. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by the one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. May God add his blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the living of his holy word this day. So today is Pentecost. Today is that day we talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We talk about that story about the disciples gathered together in the upper room after Jesus's ascension. It's there in Acts uh, chapter uh, two. There is a, a discussion about how they have locked the doors. They're in the midst of a festival in Jerusalem and the doors are busted open and a wind comes ripping through the room. And with that rushing wind, there comes tongues of flame that are above each disciple's head. And with the tongues of flame come the ability for each of the disciples to speak in a foreign language that they had not known previously to that day. It's a powerful gifting of the Holy Spirit. It is the birthday of the church. It is an exciting celebration. So you can see I've worn my red. I hope that you might wear red today as well. And the altar is beautifully decorated in red as well to symbolize that flame, that passion, that gift of the Holy Spirit. So our scripture today, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Paul's writing a response 
This is a church that Paul had planted uh, when he had gone through that area of southern Greece, that Corinth is a particularly important city there. It sits on an isthmus, um, a, a land bridge between the two sections of north Greece and southern Greece. It was rich primarily because of trade, because most trade between those two areas had to happen along that land bridge that Corinth was a part of. So in a lot of ways, Corinth was the new rich. They were the, the nouveau cool. They were the uh, arbiters of uh, style and uh, new opportunities. And with that, arbiters of new style and new rich money, they also had a, um, an ability to be greedy or to compete with each other or to try to be the best. Paul's letter is in response to a report from one of the church leaders there at Corinth. So as we continue where we left off, um, the day of Pentecost and um, this letter from Paul uh, to the church in Corinth come together. Uh, Paul is writing because Chloe, one of the church leaders, has written to him that she is concerned about some problems in the Corinthian church and wants Paul, who planted the church, to give some uh, pastoral advice. Paul addresses a number of issues in this letter, his first letter to the Corinthians. He talks about the issue of uh, eating food that's been sacrificed to idols. He deals with whether women uh, must cover their heads in worship and some other odd traditions that the Corinthians had when taking communion. But Paul primarily wants to talk about the use of spiritual gifts. In the Corinthian church, there's one particular gift that has become difficult for the congregation. It is the gift of speaking in tongues. I'd mentioned before that the Corinthians are uh, important in terms of trade, that they are uh, new money, if you understand that phrase. Uh, they have become the ones who are the uh, social influencers. Uh, they're the ones that are setting uh, the pace for style and for consumption. And they have a knack for competition. And in their worship services, um, Chloe relates, we believe, to Paul, that the gift of tongues has become too chaotic, that it's become a source of pride if you're able to speak in tongues. Now, the tongues that uh, Chloe is talking about is different than the ones that were present at Pentecost. At Pentecost, known languages were given miraculously to the disciples to speak to those who were from all over the world in Jerusalem for the festival. Now, speaking in tongues uh, in the way in Corinthians talks about it is a secret prayer language that the Holy Spirit has given you and that in your passion and desire for the Spirit, you speak in the midst of worship or prayer that language. Uh, speaking in tongues is how it's often referred to. It, notice that it's not a known language. And then also, 
Paul gives some more guidance around it, that the gift of tongues should always come with somebody in the room that has the gift for interpretation, that together it can be used to build up uh, the church. So let's look at our scripture. Uh, This whole series, we have been looking at what the Bible actually says. We've been doing word studies and learning together how to study and read the Bible for all it's worth. So as we look, uh, the first place where I want to direct your attention is to verse 4. Notice that there is a pattern through 4, 5, and 6. Paul writes, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who activates them all. You remember back when we were talking about Deuteronomy, that that, that particular word of chesed, that covenantal love, it was also present in uh, Josh's series on Ruth, this covenantal love of hesed is at the root of a variety of gifts. The Greek there is charisma, but Paul, who would have studied the Old Testament as a rabbi, would know the connection between the gift uh, of grace given to us, undeserved, unwarranted by God, is very similar to that deep covenantal love that God has for the people of Israel. And then the word services. Uh, Well, that that word is uh, traced back in the Greek to uh, diakonos or uh, a deacon. Uh, This is the kind of work and service that the church should be doing for each other and for others. In fact, it's so important the church names uh, a variety of ordained ministry, the deacon, after it. If you remember Lisa Michelle Wilson, uh, who was on staff here, she was an ordained deacon. Deacons are different from elders in that they do that table service, that connecting to the world, that serving those who are uh, hungry, those who are lost, and those who are in need of formation. And then lastly, the word there that's present for activities, it's the word that we would derive energy from. Energy, almost like the, um, the, the electricity that might flow through an appliance. And so what you get here is that there are a variety of gifts, but all given by the same spirit, There are a variety of ways to serve, but the same Lord, and a variety of things, but the energy that flows through them is the same. It comes from the same God who activates all of them in everyone. That's a powerful message for us, that the differences between us are not so important that we are given different gifts for different reasons to further the gospel and to grow the church. As we continue to read through uh, this passage, um, you get to the point in verse eight where Paul gives a list of nine spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are different from talents. Spiritual gifts are uh, things that you're able to do, and it's hard to explain how and why you're able to do them. 
these gifts range from faith or prophecy uh, to, uh, um, to, as I look here to make sure, uh, or knowledge uh, also has to do with healing and prophecy and discerning spirits. But notice at the end of the list of gifts that Paul is describing, the very last one, last two, uh, you can find it at the tail end of verse 10. He says, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Notice that at the end of his list, Paul puts the gift most treasured by the Corinthians. It's almost as if he's trying to teach them a lesson about the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 11, all these are activated. There's that energy uh, for a word that we saw before. By one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. Paul is working overtime here to say that the abilities that you have are given to you by God and that not everybody has the same abilities and that they are activated, they are electrified in you because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the one Holy Spirit that has been made accessible to all through that event of Pentecost. And then we move to verse 12. Verse 12 is a different section heading. We see the connector from 12 back with the rest of verses one through 11 by that use of the word for. And so Paul says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Now that's an interesting phrase to use the body, right? We've gone from gifts and the energy that flows through them and the service that comes from them to an illustration of the body. Now for Greeks there in Corinth, they would have understood this because they used the metaphor of the body to describe the connection between the government and the people. And so this was Paul using something that they were very familiar with. Uh, in verse 13, uh, Paul says, for in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now that's an interesting word, the word baptized. Uh, are we thinking about the fact that Paul is describing that the whole Corinthian church were, was held like a baby and uh, had a baptism on a Sunday morning and um, their parents put them in a dress regardless of whether they were a boy or a girl and we celebrated with cake and cookies afterwards. No. Actually, at this point in the life of the church, uh, the baptism still means the original message, the original meaning Originally, if you'd gone before the time of Jesus and used the Greek word baptizo, it would be the word to describe immersing something or plunging something under a liquid. Now you know why we call baptism, baptism. But what Paul's saying is that it's not necessary for all of us to be baptized in the same water because we've all been baptized by the same spirit. That's that 
powerful moment of Pentecost that stretches throughout salvation history and reaches us as well. Notice that uh, as we continue with verse 13, Paul says that we are all baptized into one body. I don't know if I was writing this, I might've said all into one church. But Paul's making a point here that it's not about being baptized into a physical organization like the Methodist Church, but being baptized into the body of Christ, which is the body of Christ is the church and the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Paul then drives it home by saying, uh, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, these would have been the distinctions that the Greeks would have used uh, to claim a little bit more importance over someone else. Like I'm you know, from the city or I'm from the country or I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. Uh, however you wanna think about it, maybe even I'm a Cowboys fan. Ugh, we all have our distinctions. Paul here is saying that regardless of those distinctions, we are made to drink of the one spirit. Notice that uh, being, part of, uh, being part of Christ's body is not just an immersion experience, but an internal drinking of the spirit experience. When we become Christians, uh, the spirit surrounds us. It becomes a part of us. And we learn to allow ourselves to be sanctified so that our gifts can be used by God in God's plan to transform the world and make disciples. As I think about today's series on focusing on the Bible, uh, using the Bible in such a way, not just to memorize facts or to check off an expectation of devotional reading, but to use it to derive meaning for our lives. That's what it means to read the Bible for all it's worth. I wonder if over the last few weeks you've been reading uh, regularly each morning or each evening a passage of scripture to help derive and discern meaning and purpose for your life. As I read this passage today, it is hard for me not to think about the current events over the last week. I think it is both sad and tragic uh, that we live in a world that needs now no more competition that needs no more divisions or distinctions. Friends, what the world needs today is a group of people that are willing to serve each other with the gifts they've been given. A, a, a group of people who are willing to pour their lives out for those who don't have, for those who are without, for those who have no peace and no justice. You know, it's fascinating that today is Pentecost, that the day that we celebrate the gift that God gave us is actually the thing that the world needs. In the midst of riots and protests, violence, the greed and destruction uh, by looters, uh, and a government that seems to be blind to the hopelessness that's present in a country that feels unmoored by a global pandemic, the world needs now is a group of people with many gifts, but one spirit. Friends, may we care for each other this week and care for those outside our comfort zone. 
by using the gifts that God has already given us and allowing the Spirit to activate those and energize those gifts in us so that we might care for others because I'm convinced that those outside these doors care little about what we know until they know that we care about them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.